What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara, and with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And it's been a few weeks, but we are finally back in action to wrap up the baseball and softball seasons. Uh, some of them ended not the way we had hoped. Uh, some teams got a lot, a little bit further than we had expected this year. But overall, I think it was a pretty great season on both the baseball and softball aspects. Uh, today, we're going to focus a little bit more uh, on softball and wrap up their season. But before we dive into that, first off, uh, great to see you again, brother. What have you been up to uh, these past couple of weeks that we've been away? Well, it's it's been a pretty active couple of weeks uh i've gone through a a job change so that's different um trying to adjust to that schedule working nights is a completely different monster but at the same time just thinking back to it that whole year one i was working nights so no excuses we're gonna get back to it i can't wait to to talk about this softball season and how that wrapped up and another thing i'm excited to is looking forward to the summer because we have a lot of big plans and, and, and some announcements that, that we're going to make you know, later on in the show about you know, things that we have coming up. But, man, it feels good to actually put these headsets on and actually sit here and talk some Pinal County sports. Definitely, definitely. And uh, before we even jump in uh, to uh, talking about these uh, 13 teams, we have a little bit of uh, some updates uh, outside of the spring sports uh, I know you had focused on one of them uh, coming out of Casa Grande. Uh, what's the news going on over there in, in the football department? In the football department, one of the players that's coming out and, and catching a lot of eyes right now is a player that me and you are, are, are accustomed to talking to, but in a different sport. We learned about him in basketball, and just now he's blossoming into this must-watch football player. And, of course, I'm talking about Avion Williams. Avion Williams has garnered an offer from ASU, He's getting interest from Oregon and Arizona and a couple of other D1 programs. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what Coach Luna and the Cougars can do with uh, Williams fully healthy this year. Apparently, he, he was injured the year before, so that was that's why he wasn't a big factor in their offense. But the way that they're doing right now in sevens and, and as many people are, are keeping their eye on him, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised that he's a focal point of many defenses. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe uh, he was listed as one of the top 50 people, uh, 50 players to watch for going into uh, football next year. Is that correct? Yeah, by, by the Arizona Republic. So that, that's a state publication. So, of course, you know, when you have the eyes of the entire state on you, that's pretty big news. Another thing that went down uh, would be the Arizona Small Ball Showcase in Florence. You and I got to meet Jeff and Reyes for the first time, and that was pretty dope. And, and the entire uh, event from beginning to end was amazing. When we came in, it was a lively crowd, and, and, and just from the get-go, it, it was an amazing event. We got, uh, we got to chop it up with Elena and Keeley about you know, their season and what they're you know, expecting to, uh, from the Gophers in this upcoming season. And overall, just from the three-point contest, the dunk contest was wild. It was. I, I know that you caught me so many times sitting on the floor trying to take pictures during that game, just <laughs> losing my shit, bro. Like it was, there was so much action. Then you look at the final score to that game. Both it was like a playoff game from uh, NBA basketball. Yeah, both teams finished over 120. And it, it was such a good game, and Jeff and Reyes have so much to be proud of, and I can't wait to see what they do again for the next one because uh, talking to Mr. Farley, there's plans to having this – a reoccurring event in Florence. Well, while we're still on basketball, we have one more story that kind of broke uh, from uh, the Arizona Small Ball uh, podcast, and that's regarding uh, Coolidge Bears, Carlos Coronado, who is now transferring to the Arizona Compass Prep uh, basketball program. What were your thoughts of that when that news broke? See, that was one of those moments where my schedule was, you know, kind of, you know, bit me in the rear end because... I had gotten off that morning, went to sleep, woke up, and, and hop on Instagram. And then, of course, they're one of the first ones that pop up on our feed. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and, and, and they broke the news that Carlos was transferring. And, and they got to speak to him. And, and listening to the small ball episode where they were talking about the entire transfer and how that would shake up the entire 3A, it, it, it was pretty enlightening. And it looks like Carlos was able to open up about 
you know, some things that we didn't even know about, like his age and, and eligibility and all that other stuff. So seeing him transfer out of our county, again, me being selfish, it, it sucks because you want to see them excel here, especially at, at your alma mater. You want to see that happen. But the fact that he's transferring to a nationally recognized program where everybody is going to expect excellence. I, I, I am completely behind him all the way, and I'm going to be cheering him on no matter what color he's wearing. And I say that because you got some insight that this might not be the final straw. Like yeah, everybody that. got interest in that because of the tremendous graphic that Carlos shared and everything. But there may be a snag. We're not going to get into it, but I'll, I'll or I won't get into it. But I'll, I'll let you elaborate a little bit on that. Oh, you know, I'm not going to be premature about it. I'll let it kind of happen naturally if it's going to happen. So I'll just let, the only thing I'll say is. Don't be sold on Arizona Compass Prep because I heard that there might be a team that might have that there might be a wild card team and it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to Arizona Compass Prep uh, as of right now. So stay tuned on that. If news breaks, we'll definitely uh, share that with you guys. But let's move right on into uh, this softball season and start with the ALA Anthem South uh, Titans who finished 0-19 and 0-11 in region play. Of course, they um, didn't get that win that we thought could possibly happen. I know you you had left in there as possibly getting one. I was more so on the end of, hey, it's a new school. I know what to expect on these occasions. But let's not worry about what happened this season because, I mean, you can see it on paper. It wasn't what they wanted. But going into next year, what are some bright spots that you hope to see from uh, the Titans? One of the things I look forward to from the Titans would be a little bit more experience. Well, one thing with them being a new school, they had that I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to describe it other than a cloud over their head, other than people looking at them like, you know, an easy win. I feel like next year with a little bit more experience, they'll be able to come out with a little bit more aggression when they play and actually pick up their first win. Who they pick up that first win, it's it's anybody's guess, but you know me and you're going to be right behind them cheering them all the way. Yeah, I definitely um, think that for the Titans to just get something rolling, like you said, of course, it's picking up that first win. But um, it's uh, the way I look at it with these new schools is you have a, a school like Micah Mountain. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're, they're a 4A school. When they came into football, you know, we thought they were going to get blown out of the waters. They were a little bit surprising their first year, but coming into their second year, a complete 180 and go and make the playoffs. So, of course, um, ALA uh, Anthem South shouldn't have that as their focus right now on making it to the playoffs. But, you know, getting building a couple of wins, getting that experience. Like you said, they're another year older. They're bringing in the same core of kids. Now it's time to just execute with another year of experience. Yeah, and let's talk about their, this past season. Granted, not many bright spots, but if I had a look at it, their best game was essentially their worst game. Their game against Santan Foothills finished with a final score of 41 to 15. It was the most runs that they have ever given up to an opponent, but at the same time, it was the most runs that they had ever scored. So definitely a bright spot for the Titans to look back on when they think about, you know, this upcoming season, especially when you think about that opponent, when you think about that opponent in Santan Foothills, a school that was just like them, essentially a, a team that people looked at as a punching bag and now are a serious threat. Yeah, but it's always going to be tough in that 3A Central. You know, it's very stacked, unfortunately, you know, especially being the newest team coming in with the least amount of experience. Mm-hmm. But let's move on into ALA Ironwood, who finished 18-8 and eight on the season, 8-4 and four in region play. Uh, they made the playoffs uh, by defeating uh, Safford 7-5 to five, uh, in the uh, play-in game, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately fell to page uh, nine to zero, uh, and that's kind of how their season wrapped up. But a very surprising team for us this year. I know we didn't really have much on radar as as far as what they were going to do this year, and I think they had to have been one of my biggest surprises when it comes to the thirteen softball teams we cover. Yeah, you're right. When we expanded, we didn't know what to expect with a lot of the expansion teams and ALA Ironwood being one of them. Um, they they produced a lot of good games this year. Having a winning record, they surprised me in their final game, not even actually scoring a run. But if, if, if I'm looking back at their season this year, one of the things that I would say would come from their best win would be a tough 9-7 to win against Push Ridge at Push Ridge and their worst loss 
would be a 0-11 to 11 shutout by Valley Christian. And we know how tough Valley Christian was uh, in spring sports, both in softball and baseball. So nothing to really hang your head about. Uh, they made the playoffs. They got something to build on next year. They're going to be losing a, a couple seniors in uh, Ella uh, Ver- Verdine, uh, pitcher uh, slash third baseman who had a 3.13 ERA and had um, 44 hits. Uh, and also uh, Stephanie Mack, who um, had 44 hits and 34 runs on the season. And lastly, Haley Van Meter, who uh, had 25 hits and 15 RBIs. But only three seniors you're losing. Who are the players that you are excited to see uh, return uh, for the Warriors? Some of the key returning Warriors would be Shaughnessy Serrano, a player who had a 459 average and had 39 hits. She was a big, big uh, bat Big contributor for the Warriors this season. And also Kendra Gonzalez, who had a 550 on base percentage and hit eight home runs. So the Warriors have plenty to look forward to when they come back this next season. And I think that this next season, when they come back, they will have a little bit more to work with. All right. Well, let's move into Apache Junction. Finished 10 and uh, 6 on the season, but was a surprisingly 8 and 2 in region play and finished second overall in the Black Canyon region. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't good enough to make the playoffs this year, but I think it's a team that, you know, playing in a weaker conference, could they shake things up next year uh, and battle uh, Vista Grande for that Black Canyon region title? Most definitely. That's the thing that that's crazy about these schools with black and gold. They, they stay in that same region and they happen to perform just nearly identical because Vista Grande, which we'll touch on later, ended up taking the Black Canyon region championship. Uh, but but back to Apache Junction, let's talk about their best win of the season. To me, their best win of the season came at Combs, where they won 13-6. to Their worst loss of the season came while they were visiting Arizona College Prep, dropping that one 0-12. to um, Some of the standouts from Apache Junction would be Shauna Harper. She had a 694 batting average and a 4.56 ERA. Anissa Rivera also had four home runs for the prospectors, and Kylie Atkin had nine stolen bases this season. And no uh, seniors leaving for next year? No. So that's going to be something to keep our eye on when it comes to the prospectors. Now going into uh, Casa Grande, they finished 11-17-1 and 2-8 in region play, but we do know that they're in a tough region this year. Yeah, you're right. Their best win this season came at Desert Edge, where they beat the Scorpions 11-8, and their worst loss of the season would come as they visited Campo Verde, losing 2-9. The Cougars have a couple of key returning players this year in Demi Choate, who had a 429 average with three home runs and eight stolen bases, as well as Brianna Sanchez, who had a 233 ERA. And uh, they're going to be losing two seniors in uh, Kiliana uh, Barnett and Samantha Rodriguez. So with Casa Grande, you know, they're a team that we know last year um, they struggled a little bit. I definitely improved their record this year. You know, it's a, it, w- it was a lot of improvement uh, compared to last year. But now I think the thing for Casa Grande is going to be uh, ha- having their um, coaching staff established for multiple years. You know, I think that uh, what we've seen, it definitely helps a team who's not constantly switching coaches every year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, um, it was a great uh, first year for uh, head coach uh, Des uh, Gill. Hopefully that with her coming back, uh, not only next year, but the years to come, they can build something special right there in Casa Grande because we know the talent level and how much uh, kids in that community are playing ball all the time, especially in softball and baseball. Yeah, and it's such an athletically rich town. Like they have good football programs on both sides, good baseball programs on both sides, good softball programs this year. So Casa Grande is definitely going to be a, a hot spot for a lot of people looking to move into the area and get their kids into winning programs. All right, let's move into a team who did a complete 180 this year compared to uh, us covering them last year, and that's the Coolidge Lady Bears, who finished 17, 8, and 1. And 10-1 in in region play, uh, which was good enough for second. Their sole loss uh, in region play came to Valley Christian, unfortunately, and that was for the uh, region title. What can you say about uh, Coach Dan and his staff and how they were able to turn things around for the Coolidge Bears? One thing I could say is that they were very confident this year. We had spoke to Coach Dan many times before uh, during basketball season and football season about this uh, about this year and how he felt about it. 
And he was very confident in the players that he had, especially in, in the schedule he had. There was plenty of times where we had talked to him where he was like, ah, I feel like we're not, we're not, not, not necessarily doubting his uh, uh, opponents, but he's like, I don't feel like we're playing, you know, really good teams. You know, we're going to probably try something different. And a lot of those times where those, where he t- tried those different things, they ended up working out for them. So again, like you said, it was a complete 180 for the, the Lady Bears. And it was a great turnaround to see them excel this year. And, you know, um, they ended up losing to uh, the defending 3A champions in the Sabino Sabercats. Uh, lost 10-0. to zero. But I think that it's uh, it's definitely a lesson learned. I was actually uh, at that game uh, supporting uh, my cousin uh, who plays uh, first base for Coolidge and Abriana Cavazos. When I was uh, watching that game, like the way Sabino was compared to Coolidge, it was almost like night and day. Sabino being defending champions, I thought they were senior heavy. You know, they were just as young as uh, Coolidge was, but their experience and being there before definitely gave them the upper hand in that game. And I think from the start, when you saw Sabino getting the hits, Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of came as a shock to Coolidge and they didn't know how to bounce back. So I hope they take that loss and see how it felt. And hopefully it can kind of turn into something where they come back hungrier for next year because they've seen, you know, what type of level they have to play at if they want to be considered one of the top teams in 3A. But for them, one of the great things is no seniors uh, on the roster this year. So they're going to be returning some great talent. Uh, what were some of the names that you had on your list? Some of the Bears that I have my eye on would be Salisha Herrera. Slush had a 285 ERA with 14 wins and 150 strikeouts. Kayla Hunt had a 559 batting average. 49 hits and 33 RBIs. Destiny Joaquin had a 500 batting average with 35 hits and 35 RBIs. The, the dog days of Coolidge softball are, are over. And one thing that I will say is Coach Dan still owes us a couple of hats. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does. And uh, one more person that I think, um, I mean, she's she plays every sport. It kind of seems like and excels at them is Nalissa Charles. Mm-hmm. The only... The only batter that did not get struck out in the game against Sabino. That the pitcher went, uh, had a perfect game, struck out 16 out of the 18 batters, and uh, Nelissa was the only one to make contact and put the ball in play. All right. Well, moving on from Coolidge, let's talk about the Combs Coyotes. The Combs Coyotes went four and 18 and went 0 and 10 in region play. Their best win of the season came against Moon Valley at Moon Valley, winning 15 to two. And their worst L came at the hands of the ALA Gilbert North Eagles, where they lost 1-20. to And they're another team that's only losing uh, a few uh, seniors uh, this year. You had uh, Anaka Perea, uh, their shortstop slash third baseman. Uh, she's unfortunately going to be taking a 635 batting average with her and had a 1,000 percentage uh, for fielding. Mm-hmm. You know, a big loss, um, Paige Russell, outfielder, had a 229 average in eight hits. And uh, Chesney Roberts, who had a 349 average with 15 hits. So even though they're losing a big piece of uh, their offense, I believe you were telling me you think that Coach uh, Migliaccio uh, has a good foundation over there. Would you care to elaborate on that one? Yeah, they like you said, they don't lose as many seniors as you, as you would expect. And one thing about that Combs varsity team was they weren't really deep. So with them losing that many players, I feel like they should be able to recover them in their ju- uh, junior varsity program. So Combs is on the come up. Now, being in that region with Post and Butte, you see that they did not win a, a single region game. Do you think that coming into next year, they can pick up at least a couple wins in region play and start to be relevant in that region? Definitely. I think that they have the opportunity to at least pick up one or a couple of wins in that region. But like you said, it's a completely stacked region where there's a lot of talent and and many good programs in there. So it's just a year where Combs gets to the short end of the stick, but I I see them bouncing back. All right. Well, uh, let's go into uh, the Florence Gophers. They uh, finished 14 and nine on the season, uh, seven and four in region play, and they're going to be losing a, a handful of players uh, going into next year. Of course, most notably would be uh, Laney Wallace, who batted 517 uh, this year with 30 hits and a 989 uh, fielding percentage. Riley Young, uh, 275 average, 14 stolen bases, and a 917 uh, fielding per- uh, percentage. Sienna Villanueva had a 300 batting average, 
two stolen bases and nine runs. Uh, Rian Navarro, 283 batting average, uh, two home runs and 18 runs. Kaylee Murphy, another big name, 400 uh, batting average, seven runs and one stolen base. And Elena Felix with a 310 batting average, 11 runs and three stolen bases. So this is a team that we kind of know uh, pretty well just with their engagement with us, uh, not only last year, but especially into this year. You're losing some pretty key pieces and you're you're in that 3a central which we said is one of the toughest in 3a right now i'll even go out to say it's one of the toughest in the state if you go and you look granted you're not gonna have like a team like coolidge and hamilton play each other in sports but that's not what i'm talking about but when it comes to competition this area has some of the toughest games that you can imagine just based on, on competition alone. So what do you think the future holds for the Gophers losing those players and what they have returning for next year? Well, Coach Rice does have a lot of talent that he's losing this year, but I feel like the leadership that he has intact with this team should help the Lady Gophers rebound from this. Some of the key returning players that will help with that would be Kasia Neal, who batted 483, had 27 runs, and had two home runs to her name. Cammie Rice, who had a 340 batting average and 14 stolen bases. And, of course, Danny Rice, who had a 316 batting average with 12 runs. So I think that the Lady Gophers, and that's one thing that you expect from Florence a lot, is, is to, to recover when they lose good players. So this softball team will be no different. So moving into uh, the Maricopa Rams, a softball team that had a huge winning streak this year. But unfortunately, um, and I believe it was due to um, their region opponents, uh, the type of schedule that they had, they did not get the love that we thought they were going to get, you know, with that long winning streak that they had. Uh, They finished 24 and nine on the season, uh, but six and four in region play. Uh, made it to the play-in tournament, but unfortunately uh, lost uh, in the play-in tournament. What were your thoughts, you know, when you saw how low Maricopa was ranked after uh, having such a big winning streak as well as the way that they were dominating their opponents? I felt it was a little bit disrespectful because I felt like they had proven to everyone in the state that they were a higher seeded team and one of the things that really kind of bothered me and you touched on it just a little bit was their scheduling and we noticed that with a lot of our higher conference teams 4a 5a you start to notice that they start to bank games where you play the same opponent twice in the same week or even uh, one week after another. I felt like the Lady Rams had everything going their way, but having Shadow Ridge stacked against them at their end of the season was a huge blow because not only did you have to lose against them twice in your regular season for section play, you had to play them again in the playoffs mm-hmm. at their home spot and take that out. It, it's, it's, it's a little deflating when you look at it on paper, but I think that Maricopa got what they wanted, essentially. They, they didn't want to be left out of the playoffs, and they wanted to be in the conversation. This year, they were in the conversation, and there's a lot of good in that, in that conversation. There's not many down points except for some of the seniors that they'll be losing. Uh, yeah, they're going to be uh, losing Ariana Cox, uh, 318 batting average, 559 on base percentage. Uh, Emma Etzel, a pitcher uh, with the 3.54 ERA, who had 111 uh, strikeouts in 142 uh, innings pitched. Alexis Strombe, uh, she had nine hits and 13 RBIs. Alyssa uh, Copy um, only played in 11 games this year, had four hits in nine runs. And uh, Liliana uh, Soria, who had a a perfect uh, average, uh, but with only two hits and two RBI. So that tells me she didn't play too much uh, this year. So they're kind of they're kind of in a mix. They're losing a couple of great pieces, but at the same time losing some pieces that probably didn't uh, get the playing time um, that where you would be really concerned uh, in trying to fill their contribution. Re- exactly replace them. Uh, you know, but that with losing some seniors, you still got. Um, some players that stood out that will be returning this year. And who is on that list? Yeah, those standout returning players would be Leah Montez, who had a 477 batting average with six home runs, and Janelle Gallegos, who had a 330 average with 18 stolen bases. So they have plenty of people that are going to be returning on that team that would be able to help the incoming freshmen and all those jumping up from JV to varsity. 
the Lady Rams, even though their season didn't end the way they wanted it to, they actually made their point and proved themselves to be a dominant force in softball. Now, my question is, being a dominant force, what do they have to do in order to get a little bit higher on those rankings? I know we talk about strength of schedule, but we know that the AIA does not take in the tournament games. We've spoken on that uh plenty of times what do they have to do do is it the competition that they has to be better or is it just kind of the teams in their region that you know you're going to get at least 10 games out of in your season I would just say it's how they perform against those teams in the region that they are looked down upon, um, especially like Shadow Ridge, especially with those three losses that they, they suffered this end of the season. That's going to give them a little bit more motivation coming into this next season when they play them. All right. Well, let's uh, move on into Post and Butte, uh, who finished uh, 12 and 10 on the year, uh, started out pretty hot, but uh, only finished three and seven in region play. A lot of seniors are going to be leaving this year uh, for Post and Butte. Uh, early on in the season, we thought next to the Maricopas and like th- those upper teams, you know, upper echelon teams, we thought Post and Butte was going to be one of those teams to finish pretty strong. But towards the end of the season, when they got into region play, it kind of, you know, they kind of got flat and uh, dropped some uh, crucial games and unfortunately didn't make it to the playoff. What were your thoughts when you saw the way that their season kind of unfolded uh, in the second half of the season. It wasn't disheartening to see them have those struggles. I would say that the toughest part for me would have been is them losing the games where I was kind of like expecting them to win. But even with them not making the playoffs, it wasn't that much of a down year. They have a, a, a record where they they're two over five hundred, and if you if you look at their region, their their region is is one of those tough regions as well. So not a lot of things to hang your head on if you if you're the Broncos, but they, like you said, they do have a lot of players that they're losing. Yeah, six in total actually, and uh, some of those players are Annabelle Sauber, uh, who is the pitcher, had a six point ERA with uh, only three wins and eighteen uh, strikeouts this year. Uh, Mary Curdy. Uh, played in only seven games, had two hits and four RBIs. Annie Williams uh, had 10 hits and five RBIs. Lola Williams uh, played in only 13 games and had a 296 average. Grace Meadows uh, played in only 16 games, 286 average and a 714 uh, fielding percentage. And Karina Nzunza, who was uh, the uh, captain at shortstop, uh, she had a 319 average with 15 hits and 13 RBIs. So six players will not be returning this year. But if you look at the amount of games they played, it kind of goes back to a, uh, like some of the other teams where they're not big holes that they got to fill. You know, they got some great talent that's going to be returning. I think, uh, you know, losing your captain, you're going to need somebody else to uh, fill that that role. But even though they're losing uh, so many players, I like what's returning for them. What are those key players? A couple of those key players would be Haley Lopez, who batted 590 this year with two home runs, and Aliyah Madrid, who had a 269 batting average with 43 runs to her name. Uh, Coach Westover loses a lot of talent this year to graduation, but I really am curious to see how the Broncos fare next year. All right, let's dive into the Santa Cruz Dust Devils, who finished 20-8 and eight, uh, on the year and 8-0 and oh in region play, uh, became the uh, two-way uh, South uh, champ. So another uh, region championship uh, for uh, Coach Reyes and her staff. But unfortunately, the Dust Devils fell a little bit short uh, in the playoffs, uh, losing uh, to Benson. I believe the final score was uh, nine to six. Um, we were actually keeping track of that game uh, thanks to uh, Marty uh, uh, Jimenez, who always does a great job in helping uh, bring coverage uh, to the Santa Cruz Dust Devils. Uh, I kept track of the score, and at one point, um, Santa Cruz was down four runs uh, going into the latter part of the game, and they battled back to tie the ball game. But the uh, last inning was the say-all, be-all, as they gave up another uh, four runs, which kind of wrapped up the win for uh, Benson. We talked about Santa Cruz at the beginning of the year. A shaky start turned things around completely after we had talked about uh, them uh, having that shaky start. But what does Santa Cruz have to do in order to become the two-way champions as we know they are on the brink of doing? What What is it about the when they get into the semifinal matchups that 
they just don't have that juice to carry them over and um, make it, you know, all the way. I, I wouldn't say it would be the juice necessarily because the, the Dust Devils have a lot of juice. They have a lot of energy and they're a definite lively group. Or one thing that I'll say that the Dust Devils will need to pick up a little bit in their next season, especially if they want to have some validity in that that chase for the championship, is is show a little bit more aggression. Um, they're they're very smart in their playmaking and, and in their base running and all of the, in all of that. But in situations where you would expect them to be a little bit more aggressive on you know around the plate or, or on the base pass especially in, in a situation like uh, the last game where they were losing down to Benson. And they were able to come back, but unfortunately, like you said, just gave up more runs. It, it, it's, it's that toughness that I feel is, is, is lacking a little bit. If you came out with a little bit more... Kind of like how the Coolidge Bears kind of come out at times? Yes. Like, uh, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to put it to you, but we're going to talk a little bit of smack along the way. Kinda, but it's not necessarily uh, talking smack. I feel like they, uh, like you said, they they didn't have as many. Like in the our last episode, we were surprised to actually hear that they finally got their first home run midway through the season. Mm-hmm. I feel like even that aggression, even going to the plate, like I'm gonna hit this over the the fence, or I'm gonna just you know go yard. Having that aggression and that confidence in yourself and in your bat and in, in your pitching ability and all that, that's what I feel will take Santa Cruz to the next level because. They have the talent. They have the intelligence. They they just need to have that toughness. They mm. I feel like these and the, and the staff too. Yes, and this these losses will will help build that callus that will make the Dust Devils a stronger team. Well, the only difference from last year to this year is that is that the Dust Devils are going to have to say goodbye to some key pieces uh, from their roster the last mm-hmm. two seasons. Uh, the three being Elia Velasco. She batted four eighty. With 36 hits and 24 RBIs, the uh, the dual threat, the pitcher and big bat, uh, Raylin uh, Tarango, a 1.71 ERA with 74 Ks, and I know uh, we more so focus her as a pitcher, but we know she could swing the bat as well. Definitely. And their big power bat, Izzy Davis, who batted 400 with 30 hits and 35 uh, RBIs and some home runs to go along with that. Three huge uh, pieces that they got to replace next year. But we know what Santa Cruz brings, and that's talent when it comes to softball. That's talent when it comes to things outside of high school sports with legit softball. What you've seen on their roster coming off the bench, these are not easy pieces to replace, but do they have those players that are coming off the bench? Can they sit there and help keep the uh, Dust Devils as one of the elite teams into it? I definitely think they can, because if I go back to how they played against Trivium Prep, this was something that we weren't really going to, we didn't really announce when we got the news, but I had noticed this when I was talking to you, because you were in Tucson at the time, and I was like, dude, they they didn't come out with their normal starting lineup. Like, they they didn't have Izzy on third. I was like, Raylan's not in the game. I I, I don't know why the seniors aren't playing. I was like, maybe it's because they're they're just trying to rest them. Yeah, (laughs) trying to rest them. They're just trying to build up this... uh, this confidence in their in their younger group and, and and try to give them that playing time. I was like, man, get on them. And then come to find out, they were sat because they participated in their senior ditch day, which you know, good on them because you're going to need to make those memories anyway. But even a double good on the coaching staff for held for holding their players accountable for their actions. And even though that they did not start, they were able to get into the game and get some action for uh, against the Trivium Prep Knights. That in itself showed me that they were going to be not necessarily well off. But they were going to be a okay without those seniors participating because and, they were able to move the players and pieces that they had to accommodate. And, and they their, held their own, yeah, to accommodate their playing style. You know, well, but even though they're losing these players, I know that there guys will be some key players that you got your eye on. And I mean, it's pretty much top to bottom. It could be anybody on that team. Who are some of your bright spots that are coming back next year? Some of the bright spots would be definitely Tatiana Reyes, who batted 463 with 31 hits. Aliyah Bajorquez, who batted 413 with 30 stolen bases. Leadoff hitter. I think she uh, hit three out of the park this year. She, she does a really good job, bro. And then, of course, Jocelyn Melendez, their catcher, who has a 980 fielding percentage, a 308 batting average with 16 hits. And, of course, you can't forget Gianna Lopez, who had a 333 batting average with 19 hits and 15 RBIs. 
those kids will definitely be the cornerstone for Santa Cruz softball this next season. And uh, I think there was one player that I'm interested in seeing because softball, you really only need that one dominant pitcher. They're going to pitch, I'd say, 90 to 95% of the time. Uh, so Layla Brown has some big shoes to fill with Ray Lynn departing. That's another key person I would keep our eye on and see how she excels in year two. But let's go into the Santan Foothills uh, Sabercats. Uh, finished 2-15 and 15, uh, this year, 2-9 and nine in region play. Um, it's a team that struggled all year. Of course, they picked up uh, both of their w- uh, wins this year against ALA Anthem South. You spoke on one of the scores that... Uh, that football score, 41 to 15. Outside of those two wins, they were a team that struggled mightily when it came to other opponents, especially ones that were, I would say, average to above average teams. That What can the Sabercats go into next year and try to uh, build a little bit of a winning streak and make uh, Sabercats softball something to watch? I would just try to to focus on bringing that energy in the batter's box. Because one thing that you cannot do is you cannot win if you don't score. So they ha- they definitely have to pick up their bats. And they only have three seniors graduating, those seniors being Ileana Rodriguez, Faith Larini, and Sharia Moore. I feel like if they're able to keep the same core intact, uh, the same with their coaching staff, that coming into next year, they should be able to, be- they should be able to build off those two wins and get a couple more against teams like San Miguel, a team that they ended up losing to 34-39. to 39. Again, this is a softball score. They lost 34-39. to 39. That is the most runs they've ever put up in, in a game other than when they played ALA Anthem South. So if you can do that against a struggling new team and a team that, that doesn't really get their respect in softball, period, then I feel like they can follow in the footsteps of the baseball team and try to gain that momentum. Well, let's go into the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. Uh, They finished 0-13, 0-8 in region play. And they're uh, another team that has struggled mightily in the first two years uh, that we have covered uh, the Pumas uh, when it comes to softball. Well, this was the first year they actually had a softball team. Correct, yes. Uh, Last year, they didn't even play. Mm -mm. You know, so that goes to show why their record is what it is. There's still no culture that has been built for the Pumas when it comes to softball. But going back to what I had said, um, I can't remember exactly what episode we were talking about it, but I talk about how does the talent go to the school that has the better programs? We yeah, talk that about that. Episode. Yeah. And we talk about that a lot. Is this something that is going to have a long-term effect when it comes to the Pumas or do you think there is something that they can build there and try to build a winning culture? Because I don't know if I see it. They didn't, Like you said, didn't have a season last year, not enough participants. Coming into this year, you got the, you got the participants now. Now it's the experience. Can they still bring enough of those uh, players to return next year and say, you know what, kind of like uh, the, um, the Sabercats football team, we're tired of us being known as this. We're going to change the narrative. Do you see that coming from um, Sequoia Pathway? Not this year. Not this year. It, it, it'll take some time. The, the experience will come, but the first thing that they need to put forth is the effort. That's one thing that I feel is kind of lacking with this, this softball team is the effort. But... You hit it right on the head. Again, when when they start to build that culture, when they have a little bit more experience, not only on the team but at, you know on the coaching staff, the Pumas will be able to to compete with Maricopa. Not necessarily as one of the best softball schools, but it won't be so lopsided where you know it is Maricopa is is the better baseball and softball program as to where Sequoia Pathway is just very struggling to to maintain. Well, I hope, uh, you know, we can see at least uh, the Pumas come into next year and uh, and scrap their way to a win, man. You know, it, it, they're, they're a team, I think, if you start if you start there, who knows what's going to happen in, in a year. Uh, but let's move into our final team, which is the Vista Grande Spartans, who finished 14 and 16 
on the season and 10-0 in region play, which made them the 4A Black Canyon region champions. Made it to the playoffs, but unfortunately lost in the play-in. We, we know that Vista Grande brings some great uh, talent. Uh, you actually were able to uh, share a, a little clip. I believe you're at a restaurant and yeah, you saw was- on ESPN that uh, one, one of the Vista Grande players uh, was actually made it on TV. We know that they build a great culture there. Now, now that um, they're trying to build the consistency and make this a regular thing, the Spartans are looking to now make that next leap and be a regular playoff contender. Do you like what they got coming back for next year? 100%. I feel like the Spartans are definitely trending upward right now. Um, looking at this past season, their best win came when they played at home against Seton Catholic, a game where they weren't really inclined to win, but they ended up pulling it out. Their worst loss of the season would come to another Catholic school in South Point where they lost that one in a shutout fashion, 0-18. to and we know South Point's one of the best in 4A, you know. I think, unfortunately, they, they were the number one seed, but I think they lost to CDO, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Now, with uh, Vista Grande, they play in one of the weaker regions when it comes to softball. How do they go in and dominate, you know, the teams they're supposed to beat? I mean, they went, went undefeated in their region. So how do they take that and carry it over into, say, playing a team like South Point? or another uh, top-tier team in order to take that leap as being considered a lock for the playoffs every year? I'm not sure what Vista Grande will need to do to make that leap. I know that they're capable of beating the teams that they need to. That's why they ended up becoming region champs. I think that they they have the talent. They they, they definitely proved to, to be a program that makes this type of talent that can excel and succeed at the next level. But one thing that I'll need to see from Vista Grande is, is the same thing that I would say from Santa Cruz, that aggression. They, they, It's not something that's necessarily lacking, but in the games where I've been to to see the Spartans play, um, like like their game against Mesquite, they were winning that game. They, they were kind of just like coasting into it, and then to the point where I was like, oh, okay, they got this in the bag, I'm going to leave, and then come to find out when I leave, they ended up losing the game. So the only thing that I would say is, is that that aggression matters. If you're winning and you're winning against a team that people aren't necessarily, you know, expecting you to win you got to keep your foot on the gas and keep going you can't allow them to come back in it no matter who they are if they're an easy opponent or or one of the toughest in the state you got to give them that same type of attention what uh players to you uh because i don't believe they have uh any players that they're losing uh, another young team so that means they have some great talent coming back and possibly carry that into next year and become back-to-back region champions what players uh, from that lineup where like, you know what, if these uh, student athletes perform at this level or even better, Vistaran is going to be able to uh, take that step. Um, some of those Spartans that stand out to me would be Aaliyah Ramos, who batted 444 and had a 3-0-0 ERA. Elena Casillos, who had a 581 batting average, a 667 on base percentage with one home run this season. And freshman Kiki Gutierrez, who had a 750 batting average, two home runs, but did a majority of her work on the mound. Um, and also Emily McKenzie, who had a 6-0-0 ERA and four stolen bases herself. So the Spartans definitely have their work cut out for them in this, you know, in this spring or in the summer and then for the, the time that comes up until the spring sports start again. But they're going to be one of those teams that we we put up there with the Santa Cruz. We put up there with, with teams like Coolidge, teams that that have made this 180 because... They're, they're, like you said, they're tired of losing. They want to be, they, they have that hunger and they want to be winners. Yeah, and I think the culture is there and, you know, it's it's theirs for the taking. You know, it's going to be a good battle to see uh, what uh, Casa Grande team uh, reigns supreme. Uh, but that's what I like so much about the culture in Casa Grande and at Vista Grande is that, you know what, at any given moment, they're ta- when their talent builds up, if they have that right coach to sit there and get them focused and dialed in. Look out because you know what? There's a, a teams like that who are on the cusp of breaking out. It could become uh, it could come next year. And I definitely see that with the Spartans. But uh, with that, that wraps up uh, the 13 teams for softball. 
you know, a great season. Of course, uh, we wish we were able to attend a lot more games than we got to this year, uh, you know, but your schedule kind of uh, got in the way with your new job. Uh, my kids playing spring sports. I feel I was at practice every single day of the week or at, at a game. And, you know, but for the time we were able to spend uh, with the, uh, these softball teams uh, this year, it was great. I enjoyed the time. Uh, we know that we have uh, some spots where we're going to be able to try to stream some games. And I know that's something you kind of wanted to talk about uh, before we wrapped up the show. We have some big news uh, coming out when it comes to streaming uh, sports games. Would you like to dial in on that one? Yeah, uh, just giving a little bit of insight, not giving you too much. Daniel and I are in the process of becoming NHFS affiliates to where we can actually go to these various schools and record and stream their games for them. Um, by doing this, we feel like we should be able to give the student athletes a little bit more attention to detail as far as getting more eyes on them. Uh, we don't necessarily want to move completely away from the social media and everything like that because that's exactly how we built our, our, our base and, and, and we're not leaving you guys behind. But one of the things that we're definitely going to look forward to is put all our time and attention into to broadcasting. We know that not everybody can get to these games. Not everybody has the ability to travel with their team, but everybody has the ability to, to get to YouTube. Everybody has the ability to, to check their social media. And or, in, or even get an NFHS account. Or get an NFHS account. Support us by getting an NFHS account and, and visit us on our page there where we'll be able to give you more content than we would be able to on our social medias. By doing this... We are going to not only get more eyes on these student athletes that are very deserving of this attention, but we'll be able to spread our wings and, and get, a, get a bigger grasp of how to help these programs grow. Because one thing that we've noticed in just our second year wrapping it up is the participation of the schools doing their own social media and pro, uh promoting their own student athletes, doing their own stats and, and photos and posting them out. That makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Seeing that and, and seeing the participation come from all the different schools and seeing how well that they're just taking the ball and running with it. Like there is not going to be any point from us where we're like, or, or if, you, if you're even using our photos or anything or just sharing it, you're not going to get, hey, that's a cool photo. I wonder where it came from. We want you to take this content and be able to create the the next big opportunity because that's one thing that in, in the age and time that we're living in some of these kids are just one viral video away from getting an offer mm -hmm. and one thing that we we would like and and we know that we've gotten a, a couple of comments before on this if you feel like we're not necessarily supporting an athlete or or giving a little bit of attention to an athlete that that is or a school. little bit more deserving or school send it to us we would we would love to share. There's there's been plenty of times like we've been we've been contacted by schools that are, aren't even in our our network that have brought in student athletes to our attention. Uh, like Jaywan Gold, he he plays for ALA West Foothills in basketball, reclassifying this year and going to play at PHH PHH Phoenix Prep. A great move for him. We got to talk to his mom a little about uh, about the decision and and the way that his mom is active in his recruitment and, and making sure that he is getting his name out there. That's what I wish that all the other parents that, that are involved in, in their student athletes lives had that same attention to detail because moms were able to get a gold star. She would definitely get a gold star from us because of <laughs> yeah. how, you know, just how well she does her thing. No, I definitely couldn't have said it any better. You know, I know um, I've talked to you about it. I more so wanted to go full streaming, you know, you were we this year. You were kind of on the fence about it until we took that attempt uh, at uh, the Coolidge Florence games, at the Coolidge and uh, Santan Foothills games, and we felt that that is where our calling needs to be at this time. Doesn't mean we won't eventually come back and do what we've done last year or this year, but I think for us, just gathering pictures, putting them on a graphic, and putting it out there to the world. It's not doing these student athletes any service. Why not fill a void that the AIA, you know, we, we spoke with them that the AIA even needs help with. And that's covering 
not only Pinal County, but helping cover other schools uh, where um, our teams play against in Tucson and Phoenix. And it's kind of bringing that bringing that coverage and allowing you to be able to see it every single time, no matter where we're at. If you can't make it to the game, like you said, we're going to be on YouTube, NFHS now. And so those things, I think, are going to be vital to to the future of not only uh, these student athletes, these schools, but for the varsity breakdown as well, because the more eyes that get seen, you know, on our pages, it's going to only open up more opportunities for us to grow the brand and be able to bring even more. Because one day, you know, I know one day our goal is to have multiple broadcast teams. If we can uh, be able to um, scrape up the funds, you know, with whether it's with sponsorships or advertisements, the more that we continue to get bigger, the more eyes are going to get on Pinal County. Uh, that's a big reason I'm glad we came together and agreed that the future for uh, this county, for these schools and these student athletes is through streaming and broadcasting these games. But I think that's one of the biggest news that we had uh, for this week. Uh, tune into uh, next week because we're going to wrap up uh, the baseball uh, teams uh, for this year, as well as announce our uh, breakout players of the year and our coaches of the year. So that's something exciting to tune into next week. And also, uh, we got some uh, things in hand I know you're excited to uh, uh, let people know about. You hear that? Those were the awards for Braden Gant and Ryan McCurdy. We also have two more for the Post and View Broncos, Adriana Bachman and Savannah Bix. We got your awards. We want to say another special thank you to Kevin Davis for hooking us up with, with these awards that we are able to, to give out to our community and, and to actually see the amount of joy that it brings to these student athletes and coaches for them just getting the recognition that, you know, that not necessarily they get overlooked for, but that they're well-deserving and, you know, not every time when is every good job tangible, but this is something that's tangible that we can handle. Oh, yeah, and we definitely cherish uh, every time we get these made. And I know it took a little bit longer uh, than uh, we were hoping, but like I said, Kevin, he uh, he was coaching this year uh, for uh, the uh, Coolidge uh, Bears baseball team. So I know uh, he, he uh, had to take the time to focus on that. But, you know, we're glad to have him in hand and get ready to uh, hand them out to uh, the recipients. But other than that, uh, I think we can leave this episode right here. Looking forward to uh, next week as we wrap up baseball. And that will be the final episode of year two uh, for the 2022-2023 season. You know, two years already, hard to believe. You know, but right after that, we're diving into uh, summer uh, and I know uh, we got a big announcement, but I'll save it for next week uh, when it comes to who we're going to bring on to the podcast episode. So stick around for that one. We'll see you guys uh, next week. Thank you for joining us. And to all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. We hope you guys have a, a great and safe day. Enjoy your weekend and we'll see you guys then. Take it easy.